I've already uh, mentioned that I just got back for some long service leave and it was a great time that we had away. Uh, we went to Tasmania and also to Victoria. And um, travelling around to different places, one thing that caught my interest was reading some of the history and in particular some of the early uh, explorers from England and the journeys that they took by sea. Um, people like Captain William Bly, uh, whose surname is not spelled quite correctly. Um, but, you know, there's fascinating stories about the journeys that they went on and the kind of things that they endured. The, the shipwrecks uh, along the coast that seemed so common as they made their way into uncharted territory. Many of them were lost at sea. Uh, it wasn't at all like our trip to Tasmania. We drove our car onto the spirit of Tasmania and then uh, went to sleep in a nice cosy cabin for the night. Uh, and what was, I think, evident reading about those different explorers was that these were people who had a big vision, uh, a big vision to discover new lands and, and to reach literally to the ends of the earth. Uh, that's what drove them. I think that's what motivated them and enabled them to, to make and endure those incredible journeys. And friends, today, as we've said, uh, we're starting a new series here in the book of Acts, and I'm excited about this because what, it, what the book of Acts does for us, and especially I think this opening section that we're looking at today, what it does for us is sets before us God's big vision, his vision about the good news of his son Jesus, that that, that message would reach to the very ends of the earth. Uh, we're just going to be slowly working our way through the first uh, few chapters this term. But what we'll see is how the gospel, this good news about the Lord Jesus, how it started to spread from Jerusalem in those early days. Uh, we'll see the difference that it made as people heard that message, as their lives were transformed by it. Uh, we'll see how it was often a struggle for God's people to be part of that mission. And we'll also see how it's this big mission of the gospel reaching to all people everywhere, that Jesus began in these days in the book of Acts, we'll also see how that mission still continues today and how Jesus continues to be at work to see that mission of the gospel going forward through his people, through, through his church, through us, as we are involved in his mission of knowing and sharing the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Now, as we uh, come to start in a new book, I wanted to say a couple of things quickly about it. Firstly, who's it written by? Uh, the book of Acts is written by Luke, uh, the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Uh, one reason we know that is because of how it begins there. If you see there in verse 1, uh, he, he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Uh, so one of the reasons we know that this was written by Luke is that the Gospel of Luke and then this book of Acts are addressed to the same person, to Theophilus. We don't know much about him. He's probably a high official in Rome uh, who might have heard reports about Christianity and wanted to find out more. And so Luke then puts forward this uh, two-volume historical and credible account of Jesus. Uh, firstly, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, he, he writes an orderly account, that's how he explains it, an orderly account about Jesus' life and ministry. He says that he investigated things carefully, uh, he interviewed eyewitnesses, and then he puts together this historical record so that people like Theophilus and people like us today can know with certainty the things that Jesus did and said. So that's Luke's gospel, but then the book of Acts is really the 
second instalment that continues the story. And again we see that Luke writes in the same way, like a careful historian. So in verse 3 there he says this about Jesus. He talks about how after his suffering that Jesus presented himself to the disciples and, and others and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. You notice how Luke writes there, he's very concerned about recording for us these events that actually took place in our world. And of course the very central event was what we celebrate at Easter, the death of Jesus for our sins and then his resurrection from the dead. And Luke tells how the eyewitnesses saw him that Jesus appeared to his disciples and, and to many others and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, as we read at the end of Luke's Gospel before. And this news of the resurrection, well, this is what will reverberate all the way through the book of Acts as the message goes out. Uh, now, in our pew Bibles, you notice that the book is just called Acts, uh, but sometimes you might have heard it called to as, uh, referred to as the Acts of the Apostles, or the acts of the Holy Spirit, or the acts of the church, um, maybe the acts of the risen Christ. Uh, I think it's probably all of the above. It's, uh, this is the record of what Jesus uh, continues to do through his church in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, you know, personally, I just find great assurance and confidence in knowing that what we're told here uh, about the Christian faith is that these are things that are grounded in history. I also find great reassurance in those words there in verse 1 that what we read about in the Gospels, well, that was just the beginning. You know, that's what Jesus, it says there, began to do and to teach. And now that he has risen and ascended, well, his work hasn't stopped. Now, his work continues. It continued in these early days in the book of Acts and Jesus continues to be at work in the world and through us today. Friends, Jesus is still on mission. Uh, in Luke's Gospel, you hear Jesus say that the reason he came was to seek and to save the lost. And that mission of Jesus is still continuing today. And so this morning, I want us to consider just really three things about this mission of Jesus that continues and that we're involved in. The first thing is to see the heart of God's mission. But what is at the very heart of it is this good news about the Lord Jesus. Now I want you to try and picture the scene here as Luke describes it there in chapter 1. Um, for the disciples, it's, it's only been a few weeks uh, since the events of that first Easter. Uh, it's been 40 days since uh, that weekend that changed the world. And now the disciples, were well, they're gathered here around Jesus on the Mount of Olives just on the edge of Jerusalem. And you see there in verse 6 that they ask him this question. It says, They gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, I think they ask that because the Roman Empire still rules over God's people. And so maybe after seeing Jesus rise from the dead, you know, that most uh, miraculous event, well, the disciples' hope might be renewed that now maybe Jesus will overthrow the rulers and establish his kingdom on earth. But see what Jesus says there in, in verse 7 in response. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. 
I think that's an interesting response. Uh, Jesus doesn't deny their longing for the restoration of the kingdom, uh, that the world would one day be put to rights. Uh, Jesus has told them that there is a day coming when everything will be restored, when evil and sin will be done away with. But according to Jesus, well, that day is not yet. And that day is known only to the Father. And what that means for us, really, is that the time that we are living in now is the time of the last days, the days when Jesus rules and reigns and still is at work in our world. But it's also a day in which we still wait for the fullness of Jesus' kingdom to come and the fullness of his glory to be made known. And so I think this really raises an important question for us. If we are now living in these times of the last days, well, well, what are we to do in our waiting? How are we to, to spend our days as we await the return of King Jesus? Now, I know what the world tells me to do. The world says, John, eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. In other words, study hard. Get a good job, find love, start a family, travel the world when the borders reopen, retire somewhere warm, probably not in Wagga. Now get as much as you possibly can out of this world because at any moment someone's going to call last drinks and the party's over. But friends, if Jesus really is the Son of God, and if at the cross he really did defeat sin and death, and if he has been raised as the king who reigns forever and ever, and if he is coming again in a cloud of glory and power and bringing with him the promise of eternal life in a new creation for all who will receive him, so if we really believe the things that Luke here records for us about Jesus well, then I want to listen a whole lot less to the world and what it has to say and a whole lot more to Jesus and what he says. And Jesus here before his disciples, he shares with them what matters most to him. He says there in verse 8, he says, you will be my witnesses. I want to underline those words, my witnesses. Because that's for all of us. Now, whether you're a student or a retiree, whether you're a business leader or a stay-at-home parent looking after the kids, whatever you do during the week, our call as disciples is to serve as a witness to Jesus. Now, you notice, not a witness to our particular tradition, not a witness to our political preference, not even a witness to our way of life. We're called to be a witness to Jesus who is the way, who is the truth, who is the life. And that means in our relationships, in our words, in the things that we do, well, we are to bear witness to the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Now, I do want to emphasise that the calling here, you know, the heart of the mission is about witnessing to Jesus. And that may sound obvious, but... Now, a lot of the time, I think, when I talk with people, they so often think that Christianity is about something else. Now, often that it's about morality. You know, that we're on this crusade to make people follow the rules. Now, does Jesus provide teaching about right and wrong and about how 
the best way to live in the world? Well, absolutely. But now what we'll see throughout the book of Acts is that first of all, we see the disciples talking about Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, the Jesus who is the king of all, who was crucified for our sins and who rose again to give us new life, life to the full. That's what he invites us into. That's the heart of the mission. It's all about knowing and sharing Jesus. And so that's the heart of our mission here at St Aidan's. In everything we do, we want to be centred on that, knowing, living and sharing the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Now that, I think, leads to the second thing that Jesus speaks about here. Not only does he show us what's at the very centre or the heart of his mission, but secondly, he shows us what I've called maybe the scope of God's mission. If you take a look there in verse 8, uh, he says this to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now think about the disciples there again 2,000 years ago standing on the Mount of Olives and, and they hear this big vision from Jesus. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You can imagine them thinking, okay, that makes sense. We know Jerusalem. It's pretty comfy. In Judea. Okay, that's a bit further, but yeah, you know, we know Judea. And Samaria. Well, now they might be thinking, I don't know about that. You know, James and John are there. They're thinking, oh, we did want to call down fire on those Samaritans, Lord. I don't know if you really want us going to them. And Jesus says, to the ends of the earth. You're saying there's not going to be any limits on this mission? And then this is what unfolds as we read through the book of Acts. It, it begins in Jerusalem. And then it expands and it goes out and it goes out until at the end of, the, of Acts we'll see that Paul testifying to the gospel uh, all the way in, in Rome. Now, of course, the end of Acts was not the end because it continued to go out, didn't it? And to expand and to reach all the way to where we are in Wagga, in Australia. It's the end of the earth, isn't it? But I think it's not just geography that's referred to here because as well as the gospel going to all kinds of places, well, it will also go to all kinds of people. And in the book of Acts, I think there's really two major groups of people. There's the, there's the Jews uh, who do have some understanding of, the, of uh, the scriptures, but they don't understand the gospel. And then there's the, there's the whole Gentile world who really know nothing at all about the scriptures or Jesus or the good news about him. And uh, one thing you, you see is how, uh, as the gospel goes out, how the disciples kind of speak in different ways... Uh, according to those different groups. And so in Jerusalem, we'll see Peter, for example, he'll speak largely uh, to the Jews who, who know the scriptures and he'll always be quoting from the Old Testament and showing how the promises are fulfilled in Jesus and how it all pointed towards faith in him. But then later on, when Paul starts going to the Gentiles, like, for example, in chapter 17, he goes to Athens... Well, he shares there the message about Jesus in ways that they can understand and that makes sense to them, even though they've heard nothing at all about the gospel before. 
And I think for us today in Australia, well, we might have sort of similar groups around us. Now, there are some people who do know something of the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. Uh, Maybe they used to go to church, but they've dropped out for some reason. Maybe they went to a church school. But then there's also a whole other group of people around us who now know absolutely nothing about Jesus. Nothing. And I think it can be helpful when you're talking with people to try and gauge that. You know, I often try to ask a very simple question, which is just, do you have any church background? And depending on how people answer that, well, that might give you a bit of a prompt as to what to ask next. Now, if they don't have any experience with church, we could ask, what do they know about Jesus? Or what do they believe about God? Or what are they living for? But if they do have some church background, well, you could ask, well, what was that like? You know, maybe they left because of some painful experience and, you know, you want to hear that out. But for both groups of people, we want to be able to speak about about Jesus, about the real Jesus who's revealed to us in the scriptures and the real difference that Jesus makes. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because the message of Jesus is good news for all people. No matter what background or upbringing we come from, the message of Jesus is good news of great joy for all who believe. And this is what I think Jesus is showing us here, that the message goes, yes, to all different places, but also to all different kinds of people, to the Jews and the Samaritans, to your work colleagues, to your friends and your family members at the ends of the earth, even here in a place like Wagga. It's the work that Jesus is doing. He's seeking and saving the lost. And friends, that should give us great confidence to know that Jesus is risen, that he's alive, that he's on his throne, and he's at work even here in our city. Which leads us to the third and the last thing that Jesus tells us here about his mission, which is the power of God's mission. So you do wonder, don't you, what the disciples must have been thinking at this point. You know, Jesus cast this big vision for them that the, the gospel's going to go to the ends of the earth. And they look around and, I mean, who's Jesus given that job to? There's just 11 of them. They're not really powerful people. They're not that well educated. There's not the Avengers standing there ready to save the world. And think about the world that they're being sent into, to Greeks to whom the message of Jesus was foolish to Romans who thought the message was weakness, to the religious leaders in Israel who thought that the message of Jesus was a blasphemy and an offence. And as they do go out, they suffer, don't they? They're ridiculed and they, they lose their reputations, they lose their jobs, many of them lose their lives. That's the, that's the world that they're sent into. And I'm sure that you and I, as we think about trying to reach our city and our world around us, where we can feel that same kind of weakness and anxiety. We know that the mission before us is not going to be easy. Not only do we live in a society that seems opposed to Christianity, but the Bible says that our battle is not even against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and principalities of the evil one. And so what are we going to do in light of all of that? 
You know, how can a little church called St Aidan's Wagga, how can we even make a dent in Jesus' mission? I think come back to the passage again because there's great reassurance and I think that this is what should fill us with confidence for the mission. See Jesus' words there in verse 4. He says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then if you jump down to verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So friends, not only do we need to understand the mission before us, what's at the heart of it and what's the scope of it, but most importantly, I think we need to understand the power, God's power for his mission. In the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit working in in, uh, powerful ways, usually uh, in individuals, raising them up to speak God's word or to to lead the people. Um, But you also hear the prophets looking forward to a day when this would become the reality for all of God's people, that all who call on the name of the Lord will receive the promised Holy Spirit and He would transform our hearts and our lives and empower us that each of God's people will declare the glory and display the goodness of the Lord Jesus. And it's here that Jesus speaks to his disciples, telling them that this day of his power, this day of his spirit is soon going to arrive. We're going to see it take place in Acts chapter 2 when we get there on the day of Pentecost which teaches that all Christians are those who receive and are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so, friends, take confidence. If you believe in Jesus, then God is with you by his Spirit. He is at work in you to help you to know Jesus and to love him more and to empower you to make Jesus known. Now, how incredible to know that by his spirit that God is with us. That was Jesus' promise. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So as we go into the week ahead, as you go into the office or as you go to sit on the tractor, know that you don't go alone. You go in the power of God by the Holy Spirit. He has good news for us. He has good news for our city, good news for our nation as he sends us out as part of God's mission. And really it's, it's this mission that has to motivate all that we are on about here at St Aidan's. Now that's why we're involved in things like our partnership with compassion and as we seek to support missionaries around the globe. It's also why we're pursuing things like our building project so that we might have better facilities here to reach our growing city. It's why we encourage you to meet with others through the week to be part of a a midweek group so that you can be encouraged and pray with others and to strengthen each other for the mission. And really, I think like the disciples here, well, we have a choice before us. We can sit and retreat in fear 
or we can step out in confidence knowing that there are many people that Jesus wants to reach with his good news. At the end of this section in verse 9, we're told that Jesus ascends, that he goes back to heaven, which I think means not that Jesus is now off in the clouds somewhere. Uh, I think Jesus really is doing something symbolic for us. Uh, In the Bible, the sky or the heavens, it's always associated with the glory of God, with his majesty and power. And so that's what Jesus goes back to. He goes to his father and to the glory from which he came. And then we're we're told there, if you look in verse 10, that uh, two angels appear. It says they were... The disciples were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And I love those words because they're an encouragement to the original disciples but also to us, that as Christians here, we are in, in this moment in history, we stand secure in the love and the grace of God. And you and I, we could stand looking into the clouds waiting or we could join Jesus in his mission. And so I want to call you to that, to join Jesus in his great mission. For he will come again. The first time he came, he came in humility He came to be our saviour. The next time he comes, he's coming in glory. And until then, we have good news to share. So let me pray that God would equip and empower us for that mission. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we do thank you today for this uh, big vision that you put before us as your people and as your church here at St Aidan's. Lord, this is your vision that the news of your son would reach to all people everywhere so that lives would be transformed and people would be rescued as they put their trust in Jesus. Lord, be with us this week, we pray, as we go out in your power, on your mission. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.